Hello, welcome to the Grand Prix 24-7 podcast, your weekly insight into the world of Formula One. Despite not taking pole position during qualifying, Lewis Hamilton has finally equaled Michael Schumacher's record of 91 race victories with a, a comfortable win in the end at the Nürburgring. I'm joined by Paul and Ben to discuss uh, an entertaining race in Germany. Ben, first uh, start off, uh, what did you make of this, uh, this Grand Prix and a return to, to Germany in the Nürburgring? Well, I think uh, as far as uh, races at the Nürburgring go, we haven't been here a few years and I'd say we uh, got a pretty damn good one, I think. Uh, you know, the race gave us a bit of everything. wasn't uh, necessarily the uh, most exciting conclusion out front. Uh, Lewis pretty much had it in the bag in the end, but there was definitely a lot going on. As I'm sure there's a lot we're going to discuss right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think I, I kind of come to, to you, Paul, on, on this first one. Obviously, just as someone who's kind of followed Hamilton throughout his, his entire career, kind of uh, w- watching him from his, his very first races at, at McLaren to, to kind of equaling the record of Michael Schumacher, a record that a lot of people thought never would be broken. Kind of uh, w- what was it like to what's it been like for you to watch that, that growth and uh, today to see him equal that record? Well, I think it was all summed up today when a friend of mine and I, uh, Juan, were watching uh, Formula One like we always do. He's in South Africa and I'm here and we discuss it. Um, he was a big Michael Schumacher fan and, uh, and he's a Lewis fan. And we were just very touched. I mean, Lewis is just, yeah, he just ticks all the boxes as a driver, as we saw today. He pressured Bottas into a mistake. I think the whole day just summed up what Lewis is about. He never gives up. He... In the end, he's a nice guy. He, I, th- I thought, I was really moved by the the moment when Mick handed the helmet over, and really the Schumacher family is just handling this whole thing so well. Uh, I just, yeah, I think the whole occasion was just beautiful, and that's why I think I've always loved the sport. Is it? There's these almost cheesy moments, but they're not. They're just beautiful moments, and I think Lewis has earned it, uh, starting with McLaren, who gave him the break. Uh, Yes, I, I think he's just ticked all the boxes and, I, and I'm, I, I'm really proud that the sport that I love has him as a world champion. So that's the emotional side. Yeah, absolutely. But um, I think that you know, it wasn't an easy one for him initially to begin with. Obviously, Bottas had a very impressive lap to, to put it on pole. Um, I definitely don't think Hamilton nailed it. And you know, Max Verstappen was very close behind him in third. So I think going into the race, Bottas could take a fair amount of confidence into it. But... My feeling was always that, you know, with the little uh, practice time, I thought Hamilton's tyre management was going to be the real difference. And I think that showed. Um, Bottas held him off pretty nicely going into the first corner. Um, I think he just looked to have a little bit more traction there around the outside. But Hamilton kind of slowly was starting to reel him in, got him to about a second. And you could see that Bottas' tyres were really struggling, how much he was being kind of forced to push by Hamilton. Yeah, well, I think that's uh, that's the story of their career, right? <laughs> I think these two in the same team, we've seen it so many times before, and here it is happening again. Uh, obviously, it was unlucky what happens to Valtteri after the fact, but as you say, I think this is uh, Lewis pressuring him into that sort of uh, mistake and just taking the life out of his tyres, and uh, yeah, what happened is what we've seen so many times before. What I'd like to say is, is, is today really, like I said, gave us a synopsis of Lewis as he is. You know, Lewis as he's been throughout his career. He was on the back foot yesterday because he really got thumped. I think the headline that Ben used was really good. He was thumped by, um, by Botas, okay? So 
I expected more from Botas, but he, and I think he ticked all the boxes. However, I need to point something out, and again, back to this canvas of Lewis on on the day, is in turn, on the exit of turn one, Lewis could have put Bottas in the wall. He could have actually hung him out to dry and just kept it straight, but Lewis didn't. Lewis turned right and gave his teammates space, okay? If it had been Red Bull drivers or anything, there would have been tears, you know? If it had been Seb, for sure there'd been tears, but no... If you look at the replay, and which I've done several times because I need to mention this, because this is how Lewis, Lewis races. He's a clean driver. You know, yes, he's, he's pushed the envelope during his career. But basically, if I have to look, take a step back and look at Lewis's racing, and this was it, this epitomized Lewis' uh, fairness. Because in, on the exit of turn one, there's that, there is the tar and you can get a good run. But had Lewis, which he could have, just squeezed him a little bit to the left, Bottas would have had to come off the gas or he would have lost the car. So I, need, I needed to point that out. I, I think that, that that's a good point. And that corner, I think, really showed up well today. We had some really interesting battles um, throughout the field. And what I really liked about it was that in with, with some kind of DRS zones, it's just someone blasting past and then the corner is quite simple, so there's no chance for the person to get back to it. But even here, even with DRS overtakes... The fact that there was kind of this 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 uh, that complex of turn one, two, and three, it always means that the cars are likely to go back side to side, and I just think that generated some some really entertaining racing. So, I, I thought that was a, a massive plus point for the race. But Ben, um, just looking beyond the Hamilton and Bottas battle, uh, I think this was an excellent weekend for Red Bull. They didn't quite have the pace in the race, but they looked to have definitely made a step forward. Yeah, absolutely. Just based on uh, qualifying, you have to say that, don't you? Uh, to be uh well, I mean, two tenths, just over two tenths off pole, but on par with uh, one of the Mercedes, and that Mercedes is Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> that's, uh, that's a hell of a showing. Uh, and yeah, if you're Red Bull, you have to be very pleased with that. For all that's uh, going on, you know, uh, in the headlines and all that sort of stuff, that car clearly showed up here and it was, it was on song. And I think it probably helps that this is a track that, suits the characteristics of the car a fair bit there's you know there's some fast corners and things like that where the aero can really come into play uh but yeah that that's that's what you would ask for at the same time they i mean max clearly didn't have the pace in the race to uh really make lewis sweat but considering the margins we've seen in other races uh he was at least keeping him honest and uh yeah i i'd be happy with it i think they're happy with it too yeah, I think something about it that impressed me was that Max didn't seem as dejected at the end of the race as he has uh, previously this season. And I do think he looked like he was really enjoying himself there. He was really pushing hard. He he, ne- he knew that he probably would never get past Lewis, but I think he, he enjoyed the fact that he was kind of keeping him honest. And it was the same in Russia last weekend with, with Valtteri as well. So, so, Paul, do you think that despite the Honda situation that they have going on at Red Bull, that Max and the team will go out of this weekend... Uh, potentially thinking that they can bag a couple of wins before the end of the season. Well, I'm not sure about that. I think Mercedes are impenetrable. Uh, I'd like to venture that uh, the reason Max was so close in um, in qualifying was because Mercedes didn't have their party mode, which is probably worth half a second or whatever. But in the race, they just didn't have the weaponry. And I th- I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that Lewis controlled the race once he was in the front. I think the situation with Red Bull is that Max was a lot closer uh, this weekend, but I think, you know, with party mode in that, I don't know how 
how, how much closer he really was. But I think given half a chance, Max goes for it. He revels in, in splitting up the Mercs, which he did now. And um, yeah, I, I think it augurs well for the future. And uh, let's see what happens. I, I really sincerely hope he can bag a few wins between, between now and the end of the year. Yeah, I think I think you're right in, in the sense that there does need to be something going wrong at Mercedes for, for Max to get the upper hand, whether that be uh, you know a retirement or like we saw in Silverstone in the second race, um, we have an issue with the tyres. So I, I, I agree with you in that. I can't see it happening potentially just on pure pace, but if there are any uh, kind of adverse conditions, potentially we thought we might see rain here, then it could definitely happen. I'll go to Ben next because obviously as the, the Australian... Uh, on the podcast he must have been <laughs> been thrilled to see come on daniel ricardo um earning his first podium since 2018 i think Renault's first podium since they returned to the sport so so ben i think this has been coming for sure but uh, just how impressive yep. has ricardo been not just this this race but all season well look i mean there's two things i have to say here one is yes you're 100 right and it's no secret to anyone i've sort of you know blown his trumpet a little bit uh He's driving out of his skin, and that is, you know, it's 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 incredible. It's very impressive. He's proving he's one of the arguably top three drivers on the grid. The second thing I have to say is like I've given a lot of stick to Cyril over the years, and I think he deserves most of it. But this Renault car has clearly come a long way, and. I have to give him his props there because he's the one who's leading that team. He might not be designing the car, but he's put the people in place and those people seem to have finally got the car on its right track. And that's that's just the fact of it is that that Renault is, it's not a race winning car, but it's a very, very solid race car. So hats off to them as well. Yeah, I, I can't get away from the feeling that Cyril's actually paid a bit of a blinder here. The only issue I think that, you know, they're losing Ricardo, but obviously then they've got Alonso coming in. So, you know, Honda... Uh, are now leaving so Red Bull look a bit silly uh, Renault are now probably the third quickest car in Formula 1 they've got Daniel Ricciardo on fire so you know things are all looking up for, for Renault and uh, yeah I've been super impressed with Ricciardo I think he's been outstanding all season you know barring that mistake he made at Silverstone he's been pretty much flawless he's been quick in qualifying yeah. and then his, his tyre management has been excellent as well so um, yeah just great result for him yeah, uh, Daniel, as usual, I mean, just super impressive. Uh, I think I'm going to echo what Ben says. Uh, you know, we've always been a big fans. And, uh, of course, Cyril, he's had his ups and downs, but I think he's getting his act together. And, uh, and it's been a long journey to get there. But definitely they just need a standing ovation for this podium and the tattoo and all that kind of stuff. I really think it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. And, and really, uh, while I was watching Daniel, I just thought to myself, where the hell have Ferrari been watching Formula One? Why did they not sign this guy long ago? I mean, why have they not signed Daniel Ricciardo? Because really, him and, and Charles in the same team, I'm not taking anything away from Carlos Sainz. I mean, you know, I really hope he goes and he does really well. But that Ferrari have overlooked Daniel over all these years, I just find it a travesty, to be honest. I've, I've got to agree with you there, I think. Um... I, I think Ferrari are in a situation where they just need to get the best two drivers they can possibly have in that car. And I, I think Ricardo is a better driver than Carlos Sainz. So I agree. I think that it's, it's a bit strange that he has never got that, that drive at Ferrari. But, uh, you know, McLaren with those Mercedes engines next season, I think that they could be, um, be really strong. But Paul, I'll just come back to you um, with a couple of drivers who aren't doing so well. Um, Alex Albon 
again, I was completely baffled by his strategy, but I guess that's what you get when you're not qualifying where you should be. Uh, and then he retires, you know, having uh, chopped up Daniel Kvyat's front wing uh, in a bit of a clumsy move. Uh, how how poor a weekend was this for, for Albon for you? Well, I think it's, it's the culmination of a, a series of very, very bad performances. Honestly, and I'm going to put my, my neck on the line here. Was that a, and I'm going to ask the question really, but not, and really not put my neck on the line, which is, was that retiring of Albon's car, Red Bull's way of saying, that's it, it's over? It really, it really smacked of sort of a, a gesture. Uh, maybe I'm being too dramatic and over reading stuff, but honestly, if he did anything to fire himself, or get himself demoted, put it that way. I think he needs to be demoted. He needs another year or two at AlphaTauri. But right now, he's taking up a seat in a, in a, in a podium-winning team. But I think it's an interesting factor in this Albon discussion is uh, Nico Hülkenberg, who came in and gave another great performance as a stand-in at Racing Point. Ben, if you were Red Bull, would you be looking at Hülkenberg as a potential replacement for Albon? Honestly, I think he'd have to be at the top of my list. And that's just not me sort of... It's easy, it's easy to overreact to what was a very impressive performance today, but I thought that since uh, his two races at Silverstone, basically, is that you're getting a guy, and, and this is, I think, what, what this show, this weekend particularly showed, the textbook example, is he's just a professional. That's what he is. He might not be the, the quickest guy out there. He might, you know, he's got these problems sort of, maybe he's, there's been a few opportunities had in his past, you know, where he could have been on the podium and didn't. That sort of thing might be a knock against him, but... He's just a pro to be, you know, in jeans, having a coffee with one of your mates at 11 o'clock and then a few hours later driving and qualifying in a car. You've only raced, uh, you know, three, two, three months prior um, and then, you know, no practice, does that, understandably gets last, doesn't get dejected about it, shows up on the Sunday and gets through to the points. Like, that's that's what you want in a, in a, in a racing car driver, someone who's there. You want a steady presence. You want someone who's reliable. Well, that's what that's proving to me. Uh, so, yeah, if I'm Red Bull, I'm seriously looking at Nico Hülkenberg. Absolutely. Uh, and Paul, um, for you, Hülkenberg, how impressed were you with that performance? And just how impressed have you been with his ability to just, yeah, as Ben says, uh, kind of get off the couch and uh, get in a Formula One car later that day and do it so successfully? Yeah, uh, as Ben says, you just forget about the past and look now. The guy got in, did the business. Again, I'm going to use the word travesty for a second time, but it's a travesty that he's not in a Formula 1 car right now. It's a travesty if he's not in a Formula 1 car next year. And uh, if, if I was Red Bull, if I was Helmut Marko, boom, Alex, please, bye-bye. And straight in, I'd get Nico for the next race. Honestly, don't waste time. Max needs some stability in the in the body. He needs some help to develop the car, not to develop a driver. You develop the driver in AlphaTauri, you bring the finished article to Red Bull. That should be the ethos, you know? So yeah, Hulk, he just ticked all the boxes and, um, and, and absolutely delivered on the day. Uh, proper professional, yeah, again, top marks and he deserves driver of the day, driver of the week, maybe even driver of the year. Can I just say, Will, I just want to interject because I saw this on Twitter and I, and I apologize because I don't remember who put the stat up. Uh, I think it might have been Phil Horton from Motorsport Week. Uh, if it's not him, I apologize to whoever it was. But the stat was that uh, Nico Hülkenberg has as many top eight finishes this season as Sebastian Vettel. I thought that was incredible. That is incredible. And also, you know, it seems like you're a bit of a mind reader because the next person I wanted us to discuss was Vettel, the other German driver. 
another mistake um, going into turn one, trying to make the overtake on one of the Alfa Romeos. Uh, Paul, out of uh, out of ten, how cooked is uh, Sebastian Vettel and his Ferrari career right now? And uh, and you know, is it just a uh, when? What is the point of him even finishing the season with Ferrari? He looks so unhappy. They look unhappy with him, and I think he just needs to get out of there. Yeah, I don't see that happening. Obviously, obviously they're going to, they've got some big contract binding or whatever. But yeah, it's embarrassing. I mean, uh, honestly, I, I watch Formula One uh, practices with the uh, TV to my left at ninety degrees, and my workstation to my front. And every time I turned around, Seb was facing the wrong way. And I think, geez, and in the race, it was the same thing. I mean, yeah, I don't know what to say. I mean, he's a four times world champion. I don't want to disrespect him. But uh, there's something seriously wrong, uh, or else this car is a proper, proper devil. And um, yeah, I, I don't know what to say to, to answer that. I'm just saddened to see him in, in, in such disarray. Yeah, it, it looks completely kind of a, a mental thing for me. Uh, he just he doesn't seem happy. Obviously, Charles is getting some pace out of that car in qualifying, but clearly in the race, it, it really struggles on the tyres. So it, it's, it's a real shame because he's a, he's a great driver when he's kind of got a car that he trusts underneath him and that's clearly just not the case um, at the moment uh, Ben just before we go uh, I just want to kind of get your both of your thoughts on uh, the Nürburgring uh, as, a, as a venue it's a track that I've, I've always enjoyed and it's interesting to hear a couple of the drivers calling for a return to the Nordschleifer which I don't think Formula One's raced on since Nicky Lauda obviously famously uh, injured himself very badly in a, in a wreck in 1976 what did you make of the venue? What did you make of the race? And uh, would you like to see Formula One go back? Yeah, I feel like we've had this discussion uh, a few times this season. We'll probably have it a few more. Uh, but yeah, it's. I think we saw today, and I said this at the start, that uh, you know this is a track that can produce good racing. It hasn't always in the past, I don't think. Uh, but I think especially with the way the cars are headed, where they're supposed to get a lot more uh, you know, capable of following each other in corners, then it's only going to get a better track. And... It's clearly a track the drivers love. Uh, there's no denying that. And we also saw it's, you know, it actually gets a pretty good fan turnout because if you're turning up, you know, in the miserable weather they had this weekend amidst all the COVID stuff as the fans were doing, uh, yeah, I think it's definitely deserving of a spot on the calendar. Will it get one? Highly unlikely, but uh, a man can hope. Yeah, I mean, also good track for Australians. I think Mark Webber picked up his first Grand Prix victory at the Nürburgring. Paul, uh, for me, that, that first sector is kind of one of my favourites on the entire calendar. Um, so what did you make of, of Nürburgring returning to F1? Yeah, I think very much like Mugello. And I think, as Ben says, the, 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 the tracks that are coming up, um, they're all very, they're proven to be very good. And, uh, you know, they punish mistakes. And yes, it, uh, it, it's a lovely track. It's, yeah, I, I think it's one of those classics that I just hope has... Uh, you know, an opportunity to be on the calendar again because um, I, I think we missed this kind of uh, track. But, but having said that, uh, there's an argument that there's so many great tracks and maybe there should be a core of, you know, sort of Grand Slam tracks for Formula One, which is the classics, and then go and explore other tracks because it's been a really good experiment, this. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I'd really like to see Formula One keep going to Germany because it's obviously you know a great place for motorsport. So many of our great drivers have come from Germany, and just to see the fans there this weekend, um, you know, in what actually looked like a pretty well organised uh, kind of social distancing uh, 
stand was just was excellent and uh, you know even though Vettel struggled it was good to see Hulkenberg do well at his home race so yeah I, I think massive win for the Nürburgring I think that you know I don't think that any of the issues with with potentially the race not having the kind of climax at the front was down to the the track I think I don't think that you can blame the track for anything like that I think that's a, the, that's a Formula One problem but in terms of generating good overtaking good racing I think that was all there especially uh, in that first sector so yeah a big plus for me and uh, good race overall uh, d- despite the fact that potentially the battle we could have seen between Bottas and Hamilton never quite materialised but thanks very much to everyone for listening uh, we're, we're going to try and do our, our race reviews after the race every week from now on so uh, please do uh, subscribe to the podcast uh, you can also visit our website at grandprix247.com Paul and Ben have been doing loads of uh, post-race analysis and uh, driver quotes and everything so please do go and check that out and you can also follow us on Twitter at Grand Prix 24-7. So thanks very much for listening and we'll be back next week. Thanks a lot. See ya.